Welcome to another in our series of Kehillat Israel podcasts. This is a recording of Rabbi Amy Bernstein's weekly Friday morning Torah study. Uh, as you know, um, those of you who have learned with me, there are many, many, many times you have heard me say over the years, I was sure there was nothing in this one that I hadn't seen, hadn't studied, like what what am I going to do, what feels new, what feels exciting, um, and it just always renews my hope and trust uh, that, you know, once again, um, there was something in this week's Parsha that I was like, oh my gosh, like things are coming together in a way they have never come together before. So I want to share some of that with y'all. Um, we are going to be very focused on a very small section of this whole beginning part of Breshi. So uh, in the triennial reading, we are in the first third of every Parsha. I told you I'm experimenting possibly to um, just go to the Parsha and see like kind of in my big fold, I have a folder for every Parsha, like just what's in there that is exciting to me right now. Um, the good news is what was exciting to me about this week's Parsha is in the first Triennial reading, so I didn't have to make a choice this week about whether or not to leave the triennial. Um, so it is in the first third of the triennial. Um, we have in Genesis, in the in the Parsha Brashit, in the Parsha Genesis, we have two different creation stories put next to each other. So I want to remind us, just so we can take ourselves into the world of Torah, that the biblical editor is not interested in coherence. That is a modern thing. The biblical author and the redactors at each point of redacting Torah, their interest is making sure every sacred tradition that needs to buy the book is represented in the book, right? So both the northern experience and the southern experience have to be in the book or else it's not a national collection of their mythology, their sacred history, all of that. So we have two very different creation narratives side by side in the book of Genesis. If you don't believe me, you can go read the first one. We're going to be looking today at the second one. Um, you are familiar with both of them because you have been given, what's been distilled for you is an amalgam of the two. You have a mishmash, those of you who think you know the story of Adam and Eve, have a mishmash of two creation narratives, okay? So well, like when I showed the bar mitzvah kids, the bat mitzvah kids, the two very different stories next to each other, they're like, I'm like, I know, I know, that's why you come here. Yeah, job security. Exactly right. Okay. So we're going to look at the second creation story. Um, I do want to remind us that in the first creation story that we're not going to look at, um, lots of things are created. And the last thing that is created is the human being. Ha-adam, the earthling. The earthling is created. And it says in that text, Zachar v'nekevam bara otam. Male and female, God created them. So now everyone who wants to say they can't refer to a single individual, <laughs> pull out Genesis. Ha-Adam, the earthling, male and female, God created them. 
We have to live with that on its own. Eve is part of the second creation narrative. It is nowhere there in the first. Okay? So how, how do we deal with them? The rabbis have their own way of dealing with that. Some of y'all already know that. doesn't matter. Um, but we're going to look at the second narrative. But remember that Zachar bara utam, male and female, God created them in the Adam, in the earthing. And now we get the second version of a garden being created and Adam being placed in it. And then uh, God breathes life into Adam. So that's where we're going to start. But that's not where we're going to stay. Okay. All right. So let's start. We're, we're now uh, at chapter 2, verse 4. This is right after God blesses the seventh day, right? Because it's the seventh day. What does God do on the seventh day? What does God make on the seventh day? What Bert said. Um, God makes nothing, nothing on the seventh day. God ceases from creating on the seventh day, right? So right after that, everything's created. The Adam is created, Zachar and Nekeva, male and female. Seventh day comes, God's not doing anything, right? We're supposed to model that. Right after that, this is the story of heaven and earth when they were created. Uh, we just had that, right? So here's how we know this is another version of the same story. Elena, oh, are I'm, you okay? Yeah, I'm sorry. Am I on? You are. Oh, I beg your pardon. Uh, n- no worries. So, Elena, since you're here, why don't you read starting at verse 5? I have, when no shrub in the field was yet on earth. Uh-huh. Okay. And no grasses of the field had yet sprouted, because God Adonai had not sent rain upon the earth, and there were no human beings to till the soil. But a flow would well up from the ground and water the whole surface of the earth. God, Adonai, formed the human from the soil's humus, humus, blowing into his nostrils the breath of life. The human came, became a living being. God planted a garden in Eden in the east and placed there the human who had been fashioned. And from the ground, God caused to grow every tree that was pleasing to the sight and good for food with the tree of life in the middle of the garden and the tree of knowledge of good and bad. All right, let's just stop. I want us to look at that very carefully, right? There's beautiful trees, right? Vitov l'ma'achal, and good for eating. They're beautiful and they're good for eating. hagan, and the tree of life was in the midst of the garden. hada'at tov vara. And the tree of knowledge of good and bad. Yeah? All right. Let's just note that. Okay. Go on, Elena. A river issues from Eden to water the garden, and then it divides and becomes four branches. The name of the first is Pishon, the one that winds through the whole land of Havilah, where the gold is. The gold of that land is good. Bledium is there and lapis lazuli. The name of the second river is Gihon, the one that winds through the whole land of Cush. And the name of the third river is Tigris, the one that flows east of Ashur. And the fourth river is the Euphrates. God Adonai settled the human in the Garden of Eden 
to till it and tend it. And God Adonai commanded the human saying, of every tree of the garden, you are free to eat. But as All right, we- let's just stop there. I want to be very careful about this Hebrew. Mikol eitz hagan achol tochel. I don't love the translation because it, it doesn't give you the sense that in a way God is saying of every tree in the in the garden you will eat. It is a positive commandment. You eat you will eat from every tree achol tochal. Eat you will eat from every tree in the garden. It is a good thing to eat from the trees in the garden. It's not just you're permitted you will eat from every tree in the garden. Um, in this story that we know is a story, does the God character wish us to become vegetarians? No. Because he said you the, the, got everything to eat. Everyone's vegetarian already. Okay. That's the state of things. Okay. You eat from the trees. You eat until the garden. There's no yet... Killing of animals. Okay. Okay. Ah. Um, okay. A question about the translation. This is the feminine book. What, this is the feminist commentary using the JPS translation. Okay. This is not a feminist translation. Okay. Um, Does that clarify things? That clarifies, but still doesn't answer the question. Uh, <laughs> All right. <laughs> Is is that uh, here it says um, man, and the translation that was read talked about humans. Okay, Adam is comes from Adama, Earth. Yes, no, but given the issue of the two different approaches, it seems that this translation. We're not told anything about gender here, so it just says Ha Adam, the Earth thing. No, not here. Okay, it does not say that here. It says that in Genesis 1. They. It does not say that here. Okay. It just says Ha-Adam, the earthling. That's all we're told. Okay? So And, and, and George, I'm saying that on purpose. I get your question. Like, they're translating it human or man, which is correct. Adam later comes to mean male or male person. Isha means woman. But But we can't go with what life is after this we have to go back to this and there are commentaries and we'll get there there are midrashim that are very clear that they have to harmonize genesis 1 and genesis 2 and i'll show you and tell you how they do that and the way they do that and i and i like it the way they do that i i love it um means we don't genderize this being does that make sense Okay, so I promise, I promise I'll, I'll show how. But it just means the earthling right now. We're not assigning a gender. Okay? Okay. Uh, so from every tree, tree in the garden you will eat. Okay, Elena, go on. Okay. But as for the tree of knowledge of good and bad, you must not eat of it. For as soon as you eat of it, you shall die. God said, it is not good for the human to be alone. I will make a fitting counterpart for him. And God formed out of the earth all the wild beasts and all the birds of the sky and brought them to the human not to see what he would call them. Oh, to see what he would call them, I'm sorry. 
And whatever the human called each living creature, that would be its name. And to your point, um, George, him, he is the default oto. It. By default, it in Hebrew is masculine, unless it's feminine. So just to say the earthling it is by definition, they just use the masculine, what do you call it? Not gender. The pronoun. I Like, okay. So you just use male unless you mean female. In any gendered language, it's the generic, it's the generic term. So really, this should be translated the human it. God brought to it all of the animals of the earth to see if it could find a suitable mate. Okay? That would be more accurate in my, in my translating. And I'm translating with a bias. I, and I completely own that. But in Hebrew, you don't know whether to say he or it. Because they're the same. Like, it, it doesn't matter. In Hebrew, it doesn't matter. He and it are the same. Does, does that make sense? In English, he is very much gendered. In other languages, he, as the generic it, are, are the same. No, that's not true in English. In English, it's he or she. It is, is gender neutral. They don't have an it in Hebrew. There is no gender neutral it in Hebrew. That's my point. You have to pick masculine or feminine. So they pick masculine unless they mean specifically feminine. Like any romance language. Yes? It is gendered male. Unless it's not. <laughs> right? Okay. I don't want to hammer too long on this point. But, but, it, but it's important in translation to remember these things. Is there anything written in that says that oh, it's yes, not good yes, for Yes, 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 yes. Yes, there's lots written in the commentary about all of this. We are going to stay very narrowly focused, and we will get there. I promise. I promise. Okay. Uh, la, 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 la. Elena, God, get us God, through this. Um, I think you we're down one more. We're down one more. Oh yeah. yeah. And the human gave names to all the cattle and to the birds of of the sky and to all the wild beasts, but no fitting counterpart for a human being was found. So God cast a deep sleep upon the human, and while he slept, God took one of his sides and closed up the flesh on that side. And God fashioned the side that had been taken from the human into a woman, bringing her to the human. Then the human said, this one at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. This one shall be called woman. And from a human she was taken. Hence a man leaves his father and mother and clings to his wife so that they become one flesh and the two of them were naked, the human and his wife, yet they felt no shame. All right, we're going to go back to that in a second, but let's go on. I want to get through all the text first. Now the serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild beasts that God had made. It said to the woman, did God really say you shall not eat of any tree of the garden? The woman replied to the serpent, we, sh we may eat of the fruit of the other trees of the garden. It is only about the fruit of the tree in the middle of the garden that God said, you shall not eat of it or touch it lest you die. Which is the tree in the middle of the garden? Really? What did we just read? What's the tree in the middle of the garden? Ah. <laughs> Okay, just saying. All right, it's only about the tree, the fruit of the tree in the middle of the garden. 
that God said, you shall not eat of it or touch it, lest you die. All right, go on. And the serpent said to the woman, you are not going to die. But God knows that as soon as you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like divine beings who know good and bad. When the woman saw that the tree was good for eating and a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was desirable as a source of wisdom, she took of it fruit and ate. She also gave some to her husband, and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they perceived that they were naked, and they sewed together fig leaves and made themselves loincloths. They heard the sound of God moving about in the garden at the breezy time of day, and the human and his wife hid from God among the trees of the garden. God called out to the human and said to him, where are you? He replied, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. Who told you that you were naked? Did you eat of the tree from which I had forbidden you to eat? The human said, the woman you put at my side, she gave me a (laughs) right? (laughs) And God said to the woman, what is this you have done? The woman replied, the serpent duped me and I ate. Then God said to the serpent, because you did this, more accursed shall you be than all the cattle and all the wild beasts. On your belly shall you crawl and on dirt shall you eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. They shall strike at your head and you shall strike at their heel. And the woman, God said, I will greatly expand your hard labor and your pregnancies. What labor and what pregnancies? Wow. Just saying. Go on. In hardship shall you bear children. Yet you urge, yet your urge shall be for your husband and he shall rule over you. And the woman said, whoops. No. (laughs) No, the woman didn't say whoops. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Elena, everyone's laughing here. Go on. To Adam, God said, because you did as your wife said and ate of the tree about which I commanded you, You shall not eat of it. Cursed be the ground because of you. By hard labor shall you eat of it. And all the days of your life, thorns and thistles shall it sprout for you. But your food shall be the grasses of the field. By the sweat of your brow shall you get bread to eat until you return to the ground. For from it you were taken. For dust you are and to dust you shall return. The human named his wife Eve because she was the mother of all the living. And God made garments of skins for Adam and his wife and clothed them. And God said, now that humankind has become like any of us, knowing good and bad, what if one one should stretch out a hand and take also from the tree of life and eat it and live forever? So God banished humankind from the Garden of Eden to till the humus from which it was taken it was driven out and east of the garden of eden were stationed the cherubim and the fiery ever turning sword to guard the way to the tree of life okay all right right all right so some of us are a little familiar with the story um we're often not familiar with the details of the story right 
Um, so I, I want to I want to explore a little bit this business of Eitz Ha'Da'at, the tree of Da'at, the tree of knowledge, and Eitz Ha'Chaim, the tree of life. Both are in the center of the garden, a fact we overlook all the time. When it says the tree at the center of the garden, from it we're not allowed to eat. Which tree at the center of the garden? Both of them are at the center of the garden. Who does God give that command to? Huh? No. Yes. To Adam. Eve doesn't exist yet. Ha. Eve doesn't exist yet. The Nachash comes to Chava and says, what's up with the trees? Is it true y'all can't eat from the trees? And she says, no, we can eat from the trees. Just that tree in the middle of the garden, that one, we can't touch it or eat from it or we will die. Who told her that? <laughs> Who told her that? Had to be Adam, no? We don't know. Was it God? Oh, could have. Is there a scene missing between Chava and God? If it's Adam, we have a problem. Correct. But th- that my problem is... She says, the tree in the middle, we can't touch it or eat from it or we will die. Tell me the problem we have here. No, let's say Adam tells her. What's the problem? No, that's not the only problem. First of all, what do they, what does death mean? What does death mean? That's number one. What is that supposed to mean to them? You'll die. What the heck is that supposed to mean? That's kind of interesting. Which tree? That's kind of interesting. The problem is no one said if you touch it, you'll die. No one said that to anybody. So either Adam screwed it up and sets this whole thing up then, or he's mistaken. Or, I mean, we saw, excuse me, we saw what God said. Did God say if you touch it, you'll die? If you eat of it, you will die. A death will you die. Mot tamut. Barry, I want you to help me. Mot tamut. It's not exactly you'll die. It's like a death will you die. Death will you die. Like it's this same thing as ochal tochal. Right? They, they translate it as, yea, you shall surely die because of the repetition. But I, I, don't, I don't know that I love that. All right, Barry, go ahead. Yeah, well, I think the concept of death is, is not something that is on the table until you start, you know, judging things as good or bad. If you see like a drop, a, a, a cup of water becomes vapor, you don't, oh, the water died. You're not sad. It's just nature. So, uh, you know, matter, matter changes. Uh, flesh becomes different atoms, feeds trees, feeds worms in the ground, whatever. So uh, the, the very concept of death requires a person uh, to decide that this thing is good and that thing is bad. Death, bad, life, good. Okay, so we're going to get there to bad and good. We're going to get there. But I wouldn't say that Adam uh, screwed it up. I would say that, that Eve had a sense. No, 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 I'm, I'm not talking about deciding to eat. That's not what I'm talking about, Barry. Screwing no, it up yeah. is the instruction. No, Don't so touch it. Part... <laughs> Don't touch it. 
or you'll die. That's what I'm talking about. Oh, Why? Because yeah. what does it give the Nachash? It gives the Nachash an opening. Oh, really? Yeah. Did God say that? That's not true. The snake says, that's not true. You're not, that's not what's going to happen is you're going to die because you touch or eat of the tree. Let's just imagine the next thing that happens is Eve reaches out and touches the tree. What happens? That's what I'm talking about. Adam added something to the instructions or misunderstood and in so doing creates possibly the opportunity for the Nahash to say, see, what, did anything change just now when you touched that tree? No, it did not. Eve makes a decision. She sees the fruit. She sees that it's good. She sees that it's beautiful. She sees that it's good for eating, that it's a source of wisdom, whatever the heck that is. What do they know from wisdom? What the heck is wisdom? How does she know about wisdom? Right? So the, so the woman sees that it's beautiful. It looks good for eating. It's good as a source of wisdom. And the Nahash has said, you're not going to die. You're, you will be like God. She decides this is a good thing, right? Being like God is a good thing. So she eats. She discerns that da'at is something good. Now we know when you say I know someone in the biblical sense, the word know in Hebrew da'at is both knowledge and sexual knowledge. From that conflation of meanings comes one explanation that what they learn about when they learn about good and bad, the first thing they understand is something about sexuality. Right. When we think about children and we think about children growing up, what is one of the first ways children stop being children and stop being the innocent beings that they are before that is that they come into awareness of their and other people's sexuality. Right. That is one of the lines of demarcation for kind of leaving childhood. Right. In the ancient world, there was childhood and puberty on. Puberty marked, and so those are the people who wrote this story. That's why I bring it up. Puberty on was adulthood. Childhood ended with the awareness of one's sexuality. So, so it's there, right? That this is, that this is part of the mix. The Nahash, the snake, of course, is a symbol of, in many traditions, the symbol of wisdom. It is also very importantly, um, all over the ancient Near East, it is a symbol of the goddess of the creatrix because she, the snake can shed its skin, right? Sloughs something off and is reborn. Um, so it is not an accident. I don't think that the Nahash and the woman are in contact and it is that which shifts everything and written in a patriarchal culture when you're dealing with trying to fight um, goddess centered religion. What is one of the things you got to do? You got to demonize their symbol. So it is not an accident. If you look at ancient Mesopotamian creation narratives, many of them involve a tree, the serpent, and the taking of clay and making it into people. This is not a new story. The role of the Nachash here is that it has to be stomped on by the patriarchy that is being formed in ancient Israel.
And of course they don't die. Well, hang on, <laughs> hang on. And, All right. and, and hey, God hey, makes clothes for that. Hang on. So we have a couple of issues in Eden. Before we go anywhere else, we have a couple of issues. Eden is not perfect. There's already some issues. What are the issues? Number one, what's the worst situation that has to be addressed and God has to fix it? What's the only thing that's low tove, not good in Eden? Huh? Eating from the tree. No, they haven't eaten anything. Man is alone. No, thank you, Barry. Low tove, it's not good that the Adam is alone. The only thing not good in all of creation is that the human being is alone. Mark, have a field day. Right? So, um, right? That the Adam does not have an Ezer Kenegdo, a helper over and against him. Neged, against. He doesn't have an Ozer. Ozer is not an assistant. God is called Ozer by the psalmist. I lift up mine eyes from whence comes my help, my Ozer. God is Ozer. Ozer is a being stronger than us, who we turn to when we are weak and vulnerable. Adam does not have an Ozer, Kenegdo, that is against him. Not against like English meaning bad, just that can meet him. So so he's alone. He doesn't have an Ozer, someone to help by being across from him. How does God fix that? Well, God doesn't just do something brand new or take one of the animals and tinker with it a little. God takes the earthling, puts the earthling in a tardema, which means general anesthesia, Puts the earthing in a tardema and splits it in half, say the rabbis. Because they have to deal with Genesis 1. Male and female, God created them. Which is why I don't say he. It's they. And God takes the hermaphroditic being and splits it in half. We hear rib. (laughs) This is a more correct translation. The side, God takes one side of the human being and splits up. This is written by cisgendered heterosexual people, okay? Let's just be clear. So takes a half of the being, splits it off, and makes out of that other half a separate being, Chava, woman. They are one being that gets split into two. This is the way the rabbis harmonize. Genesis 1 and Genesis 2. I love it because what it suggests is very early in our tradition, there's an awareness that human beings are both. We have female and male qualities, but but we get split biologically into male and female, but we originate as both. And if you look at a fetus, we now know, right, it's both right until the clitoris either becomes a clitoris or a penis right they were closer than they knew that we all start this yes i know there's different chromosomes yes i know um but right but but really really mamash we start both okay barry yes oh yeah it's an interesting what happens just before 
it's not that it's not that uh, God says, well, it's not good, and then comes up with a solution. First, Are you God, challenging God that? Can, should we go back to the text? Lotov, it's not good that the Adam yeah, but, is alone. No, no, I'm not. I'm not contesting that. Because we can uh, go and just look before before the split. Uh, there's a, a Adam gets a chance to find uh, uh, an Ezer, which is not without splitting itself among the animals. Unless that's not what's happening. Unless God is saying, let me show you how this is. There is no solution other than what I'm about to do, which is splitting you in half. But it's important for, for Adam to understand that, you know, that's, you know, you, you, we tried everything. And, and let, you, you do it. You choose one. And once that fails, then the solution comes. Yes. So, but I'm going to suggest God knows the solution. Yeah, God sure. knows the problem. <laughs> God knows the solution. What God does with Adam before that, okay, whatever. The earthling, whatever. Like God does what God needs to do to yeah, make the surgery I'm interested in, acceptable. As, as, I'm interested in God as a teacher. So as a teacher, I try to do that instead of okay. giving the solution. So, so that's an important step for you, how God deals with the immense change that's about to happen to the earthling. Love that. So the pedagogical model is walk Adam through all of the other scenarios. Because if I don't do this, says God, you're, you want to be with a lion? You're going to sleep with one eye open. Right? Right? You want to be with a zebra? That's going to get complicated. Right? So walk you through all the options, and then, right, then here's what we have to do. We're going to have to do this major surgery. And change and alter your identity forever. Right? Okay. So the human beings alone, that's a problem. Already, God identifies there's an issue with the human beings living in Eden with the knowledge of good and evil. That's another concern. Or God would not have said, don't eat it. There's an issue. I'm not saying whether they did the right or the wrong thing. I'm saying there seems to be an issue with the human beings living in Eden, knowing the difference between good and bad. The other thing that seems to be a concern is death. There seems to be something going on about death already. Touch this, eat this, blah, 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 you'll die. What people want to take from that is that before Eve eats, they are immortal. <laughs> God says at the end of what we just read, what does God say? I'm going to, God puts a, uh, it's a cherub, right? Uh, seraph, whatever it is. At the opening of the garden, why? So that, lest, what? Lest they come back in and what? Eat of what? And what? Good and evil. And live forever. What does that mean? means they were not immortal. The only way they could get to be immortal was to eat from the tree of life and live forever. Richard? Which they were allowed to do. Ah. They just didn't know. Ah. So, to that point, I'm going to show you Tamar Applebaum, Elad Applebaum, once Lisa says what she wants to say, Bert. I've got a very basic question, which is, are we to assume that all the animals had mates and that God somehow decided that only this human is not going to have a mate? And then the question is why? Why only the human? I can't wait to read your Midrash. 
dang, how does the time go so fast? Huh? Because that's how it is. Like, the, you know, the, there's male and female, and then you have to tell the story about how did that get to be that way, and, you know, how did the elephant get its trunk, and, like, this is one version that, that the human being was created, hermaphroditic, and it turns out that doesn't work. Having both genders isn't enough. They have to be able to relate to one another. They, they, there has to be a relationship. You know, there has to be a separation so there is a relationship. What does, okay, okay, we're, we're, I, I want to go on to, because uh, we're wondering now about what, what, what is, I, there, there's a tree of life, there's a tree of, of knowledge. Okay, I want you to listen to this amazing lecture that we heard at Hartman. This amazing teacher, uh, Tamar Elad Applebaum. She brings this teaching from a 16th century commentator who says, we are told there's what, there's, there's eight hachayim betoch hagan in the middle of the garden. And there is eight hadza'at in the center of the garden. Tamar Applebaum, Rabbi Applebaum brings a teaching from the 1600s where the teacher says, it's not two trees. It's the same tree. It's betoch hagan. The tree is in the center of the garden. It is called both the tree of life and the tree of knowledge between good and bad. It is the same tree. The tree itself, the wood, the branches, the leaves, the twigs, the roots, the tree itself is et hachayim, is the tree of life. The fruit, if you just consider the fruit, it is pre-Eitz Hada'at. The fruit is the fruit of the tree of knowledge between good and evil. So what, why, why is this commentary like mind-blowing? Because she says, we are told to eat from all the trees in the garden. Yes, we're told. Do, positive, go, eat. Yes, affirming. Yes, yes, yes. What are we told no about pre-Eitz Hada'at? This one fruit that is so beautiful. You're supposed to eat from all the trees. When we get focused on that looks pretty, I want that. Then we are using the tree. We are exploiting the tree. We take from that tree because we want, we see, we claim, we get. And when that happens, it becomes its hadat. It becomes the tree of the knowledge between good and bad. And the teaching says this rabbi from the 1600s is it's with our da'at that things can go wrong. Before da'at, before judging everything as good or bad, everything is a whole, to Barry's earlier point. Everything is just what it is. When we can just appreciate the tree as a beautiful tree and take from it and others and this one and that one and we're walking through the garden, it just is what it is. The minute we hone in on that looks good, 
That's about wisdom. I want to acquire that. The minute we start using the tree as a means to our own ends, it becomes its hada'at and it be introduces the problems that we have as human beings judging everything as binary, as good or bad to Barry's earlier point, including life and death. Before that, like, they live, they may die, who knows? It doesn't seem to matter till they eat. Once they now have acquired, they have used the tree for themselves and their own ends, they fully come into dot, this binary of good and bad, of judging everything as this or that, and now death is an issue. The human beings cannot live in Eden with that knowledge and access the tree of life, and live forever. It seems once we have this knowledge, once we start that process of judging this and that and this and that and this and that, then there's a split that that we now see the world as split, good and bad, and that somehow renders it impossible for us to live forever. That is no longer on the table. But if, if, as the commentator suggests, it's it's in fact the same tree, why doesn't, because that still seems to, he talks to the, we've got to get him out of here, the tree of life, more like us. And the commentator doesn't answer. No, they don't answer. She goes on instead to the fact that this is low, eating good, eating affirmation, eating yes, but there are boundaries and there need to be boundaries and the boundaries are about low. No, don't. And if we don't maintain boundaries, right, this is where problems begin. This is like raising um, a so child. It's in the crossing of that boundary, and she goes on, Applebaum, I don't know how much is from the original teacher and how much is hers. I would have to go back to the tape and listen more carefully. But the, I just dated myself, go back to the video. Um, and she says that this is, this is written by people who live in the world as it is, obviously, right? They, we live in the world as it is where human greed for acquisition and treating things as objects for our own purposes is the reason things are destroyed. It is the crossing of the boundary. It's great to eat. You should eat of all the trees when you hone in and focus and acquire for your own needs and you violate the boundaries of enough. Here's what you don't do when you can't even do that. This is where the problems start, that we treat the world as a way to meet our needs. We have stopped appreciating it on its own terms and respecting the boundaries. No, low. You can't take more of the rainforest. Low. Just because you want to drive bigger cars. No. And the human being doesn't listen to no when it comes to not overstepping the boundary of using the tree rather than appreciating the tree, gently taking from all the trees, because that's sustainable. Take a little from each and it's sustainable. 
focus in on, oh, that's what we want for our purposes, which is what, of course, we do, use nature as a tool and as exploitable, and we have a major problem, and you are no longer talking about Eden. We are now talking about the way things are. And the way things are is that we have to work for the land to produce. We produce children. We do that in pain. Women are controlled by men. This is the world they lived in. It's reality. Why would it be created that way? Because it doesn't make a whole lot of sense, particularly if you ask the women. Why was it created this way? By a loving, just God, George, to our point about, right? So, they, they ask that question. So they come up with because human beings cannot honor and recognize law. No. What I love about that is that it means that's not how it was supposed to be. It was not supposed to be that men ruled over women. It was not supposed to be that we had to work, right? That was not the vision of these writers. It's how it is but it's because we can't respect lo. Stop. Ad con to here and no further. And when we step over that and say, but it should be like, I should be able to do it at what I want, comes all of the problems that we have and that the problems exist within us and within our own nature, within our own uh, proclivities. And that's just how it is. Um. I forgot who wrote The Power of Now. One of he's, I remember him writing, um, when we beautiful pair of shoes or a beautiful piece of art or a beautiful piece of furniture, it's enough to say, I don't need to own it. And that, it seems to me, exactly. It just point and appreciate. But the problem is the I want. Right? Correct. Okay. So... I can't just acknowledge that it's beautiful. I have to own it. I have to consume it. Literally, our story is about consumption. And if I have to consume it, we are no longer in Eden. Like we're, That is the one of the fundamental issues that humankind is dealing with. So don't think that this is where it stops. This is not where it ends. We've talked about Torah. We've talked about salvific history. We are a people that created salvific history. That yes, things work in a cycle and yes, things go around. But every generation, after Noah anyway, every generation, it's supposed to get better. Because we are given what? We're given the knowledge because we took it. We took it. We stole it, by the way. We stole the knowledge between good and evil. It was not a gift. We took it from God. So we took it, and now that we have it, we have this kind of mess that we know good and bad. What are we supposed to do with that? Well, thank God, we have a loving God, and therefore, what happens at Sinai? It's all related, people. What happens at Sinai? We get a contract, one of which is do not covet that which belongs to your neighbor. We get instruction because we can't be trusted to do it on our own. But God knows that, and God is a loving God, and so God gives us revelation. God gives us the capacity to follow instruction 
and use our knowledge of good, what's good and what's bad in the application of those instructions to our life. You don't have a child and love them and go, hmm, they'll have to figure it out. Do you? No, you have a child who knows good and bad, but kind of like clunky about the what to do with that. So what do you spend most of your time doing? Teaching them. Hot stove, bad. Cookie, good. But not till after dinner, that's bad, right? So it's complicated. Are cookies good or bad? If you just eat from the tray, like, are they good or bad? Well, Torah says, it depends. Did mom say you could have one? Has your sister had one yet? How many are there? It's complicated. Think about it. It's complicated. The more we learn, the more sophisticated we become, the more complicated deciding what's good and what's bad is. So a loving God gives us Torah, gives us instruction. That's what loving grown-ups in our lives do. Give us instruction for how to apply the kind of basic understanding that I should do what's good and not what's harmful, not what's bad. Who decides what's good? And, like, right, it's very complicated. But thank God we have teaching. So this is, for me, like, I, I loved Rabbi Applebaum's teaching that they are the same tree. It's all in how we view and treat it. It is the tree of life. It provides for life and gorgeousness. And yes, when we just recognize its beauty and just appreciate that. The minute we step over low, no, to hear, no, I have to own it. I have to consume it. I have to have it. And by the way, exclusively, right? Because then it's not mine. The minute we step over that, now we have the situation that is destroying all of our capacity and other life, its ability and capacity to thrive and to flourish and to be what it was designed to be, just its own gorgeous, holy, sacred, amazing self. You've been listening to Rabbi Amy Bernstein's Friday morning Torah study from Kehillat Israel in Pacific Palisades, California. For more information, go to our website, www.ourki.org.